This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour, a co-production of WNYC Studios and The New Yorker. Welcome to the New Yorker Radio Hour. I'm David Remnick. Now, I don't want to be a Grinch, but around this time, when you've heard certain holiday songs for, I don't know, the hundredth time, you get a little cranky. So a few years ago, we invited a musical hero of mine to come join us in the studio to shake things up. That hero would be a man named Kirk Douglas, who professionally goes by the name Captain Kirk. He's the lead guitarist of The Roots. These days, The Roots are really well known as the house band for Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show, but for hip-hop fans... The Roots have been one of the most innovative and hardworking acts in the genre for a very long time. Kirk Douglas is a key part of the band's signature hybrid of soul, jazz, funk, and rock. And I thought he would be the ideal person to put a new spin on some very traditional holiday tunes. It's that time of year. We hear the familiar songs over and over. You're walking through a department store. Yeah. You're in the backseat of a, a cab. You're overhearing somebody else's headphones on the subway, whatever it is. Now, it, this isn't a matter of stump the stars, but I want to ask you if you, is there something you can play us a, a kind of standard in your own way so that we'll love it again? Should we give it a shot? Um, I've never really sat and tried to do this, so... It, um. it, That was off the top of your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to go downhill from here. <laughs> no, I don't that. think so. I don't think <laughs> Do you give yourself a new guitar for Christmas? Or are you guitared out? Wow. No guitar. Is this, is this, is this a therapy out. session yeah. or an interview? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I'm this week, at this time I'm going through a bass thing because I'm starting to do home recording and I realize I don't have a bass. And then 
I, I so I feel entitled to get a bass, but I also realize there's different, you know, there's different bass sounds you could go for. And the next thing you know, you have four new cases in there. Yeah, house. yeah. So that's that's what I'm going. So there, there's going to be a Christmas bass, all right. Yeah, I'm I glad think. to hear it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, remarkable musician and one of the things that's so remarkable about you is your versatility and i wanted to get a sense of what you were listening to growing up on long island right mhm you know when i had no control over the music around me and it was all my parents it was classical music on sundays and a lot of reggae a lot of soul old soul a lot of uh crooners you know, Johnny Mathis, a lot of ska. You know, my parents loved to throw parties, so there'd always be a lot of, uh, you know, Jamaican party music, which a lot of times was Calypso. and and. But, you know, my dad, he'd be playing music till late in the night, and he'd play, you know, old funk, you know, like Samande. It Sounds was like you had the hippest parents in world history. <laughs> <laughs> Musically, at least. Yeah, I mean, but he, he had, you know, my dad liked a lot of stuff, you know, that um I didn't, you know, at the time appreciate, you know, and I only started to appreciate later. Your parents wanted you to be a classical musician. They they wanted you to get they, in, go in that direction. Is they that would right? have liked that. But um the thing that attracted me to the guitar was the the mystique of it with, you know, seeing KISS, you know, and when I was at a young age and So you wanted you, you, the whole notion of a guitar superhero appealed to you as well as the music. Well absolutely. Yeah. 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 Whether that, it, whether like it, KISS sort of embodied like the the music and they they matched the visual with the music and they had these you know magical almost like talisman with their their instruments that they were able to like conjure these sounds with and they looked cool it was like they looked you know a guitar sort of looks like a combination of a spaceship and a surfboard <laughs> and a car all rolled into one it comes in different colors so there's there's it's it's no mistake that you know you have magazines that have cars and guitars in the same magazine or the same book, you know, they, they can be shapely too, you know, there's, there's, it's a very attractive instrument. So what's the, what's the first time you picked up a guitar and made a sound out of it that resembled music that made you think this could be my life? Well, I was, well, uh, well there was an, the attraction I spoke of and just walk, walking past a music store and seeing them in the window and just wanting to just hold one, just to touch one. And uh, the first time that I got to hold or touch one, I guess it was in fifth grade. 
or sounds like an erotic attachment. Yeah, I'm holding on to it now. <laughs> you are indeed. Yeah, maybe I should put it down. Maybe I'll be able to no, speak more coherently. <laughs> um, who, who were your guitar gods at that time when you were learning and coming up? Uh, yeah, Eddie Van Halen. You know, uh, Def Leppard was coming out at the time. Yeah, it's a little. It's sometimes it's a little embarrassing because like. You know, for, for Roots fans, you know, they'd probably want to hear something a little deeper than that. You think people don't want to hear about white metal bands? Uh, <laughs> it confuses people? I think, I think there's some, there can be some confusion. And I, and I get, you know, sometimes I get flack for it at times from my, uh, some of my bandmates. But it's just, you know, I was a product of my surroundings. Now, when you started with the Roots, they were still... A very hard traveling van, right? Yeah. I mean, just a oh, lot yeah. of bus, a lot of van, a lot of fifty dates a year. So it's almost like BB King level touring. Yeah, yeah. It was that when they referred to themselves as the hardest working band in show business, it was not an exaggeration. So now you have this gig that probably is a lot better for the stability of life. You're in New York all the time on the Fallon show, mm-hmm. on the Tonight Show. It, it, how did that? change things and did it change the band in any significant way well i think the band was moving in a direction that would give us the uh the aptitude to hang in that situation because we i think even before we'd started doing the tonight show i think we already did a a night of a a hundred stars i'm pretty sure that we did that first now you had an experience with prince i think that he borrowed your guitar? Mm-hmm. What happened? Oh, that's this guitar. This is this. We're sitting in a studio with a white Epiphone. Yeah, it's a 1961 Epiphone Crestwood guitar. So he came in to play. This is what before the Tonight Show was the Tonight Show. This is when it was still Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. He came in with his band, and uh, apparently he arrived before his guitar did. So he looked at my gaggle of guitars and he saw this one, which, you know, he could have been attracted to the purple uh, strap on it. But it's a beautiful sounding playing guitar. And um, right before the show started, our uh, music booker at the time, Jonathan Cohen, came up to me. He's like, Prince wants to use your guitar for the performance and he wants to buy it from you. <laughs> he wants to buy the guitar from you and he wants to use it for the, for the performance. I said, well, Prince can use it for the performance, but he can't buy it from me. I'm not, I'm not selling it. I, you know, I love the guitar. So Prince is doing two songs that night. He plays the first song, uh, I guess one of his new songs. He plays it with his own guitar. And um, after he finishes the first song, he comes over to me. He's like, yo, let me see that other guitar. <laughs> and so like a Prince fan, I say, yeah, sure. And and I offer it to him, I give it to him, and he goes and he plays uh, uh incendiary version of Bambi um, from, I think, uh, one of his earlier albums. It's an incredible version of it. And then at the end of the song, he picks the guitar up, and I think I thought he was going to play behind his head, actually. And then he, but he tosses it into the air, and at 
towards no one. No, no, no guitar tech is no, waiting to catch it. No, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, just I mean, I was so excited watching him play that. You know, I was like, I couldn't believe. And then when he threw it, I just just the feeling like feeling just it just felt like instantaneous emotional abuse that's just what it felt like where did it land it landed on the ground like it fell like on a monitor and and, and it just strutted off the stage and uh <laughs> did you have words after yeah yeah i i went you know they came up to me and was like prince wants to talk to you and i was like oh really i'd like to talk to prince you know and so i had uh, you know, I had the guitar in like a couple pieces, you know, going towards the... Did it, uh, did it break? It broke, yeah, totally. It, what uh, happened? The neck broke off from the body? The, this part. The, oh my where, God, there's a big so the, crack on the back of the headpiece. Yeah, yeah. But he apologized, like, I'm sorry. And he did say, you know, I'll take care of it. And um, But the dough wasn't the thing. No, it wasn't. Um, but oh, anyhow, yeah. so, but, so like a Prince fan, I'm like, okay, um, you broke the guitar. Do you think you could at least sign it? And Did he sign the... No, I don't see like, a signature. Well, he's like, deal? oh, I haven't signed anything since the 70s. Wow. In his own eccentric way, he totally did sign it. He didn't use it, signed it with he a sure pen. He sure did. I can see the giant crack behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, in addition to having two kids that you're very attentive to and rehearsing and touring, you've also got a new solo record that you're working on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing that. That's sort of my guilty pleasure record. Um, and that's just to exercise the part of me that likes to come up with music. It's your musical journal, if you will. Is there a song from the new solo album you can you can tell us about and maybe we'll play? Yeah. It's a That'd song. It's just a song called Our Year. I, th- I think I wrote it on a New Year's Day. Sort of, it's like my own personal old land sign. One, two, three. Uh. Here's to the first day. Feels a little strange. Feels a little strange. I stand in my own. And I could change the moment we all have been waiting for to finding the keys that unlock the door, moving all down so we can be sure. Let's let this year be our year. That was The Roots' Kirk Douglas back in 2018, and he just released a new solo album last month working under the name 100 Watt Heart. It's called New Unknown. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour. More to come. WNYC Studios is supported by Lincoln Financial. The questions around retirement have gotten tiring. Instead of, have you saved up enough? Shouldn't they be asking, what is it that you love to do? And how can we help you keep doing it? The truth is, you're not slowing down. So your retirement plan should be more of an action plan. A hiking plan. A music plan. A sailing plan. The point is, whatever you're passionate about, we can help make sure you never stop. At Lincoln Financial, we have the products to help protect and grow your financial future so you can keep doing more of what you love. 
Make your pastimes last a lifetime at lincolnfinancial.com slash action plan. Lincoln Financial Group, marketing name for Lincoln National Corporation and its insurance companies and broker slash dealer affiliate Lincoln Financial Distributors, Inc. Copyright 2024, Lincoln National Corporation. And if you are watching this video, either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation. She said, oh my God, I can hear gunshots. I can hear men outside. Where are they? What have they done to them? Are they dead? Are they not dead? There is one suspect. Her father, the Sheikh. It's Madeline Barron from In the Dark. We've teamed up with our new colleague, Heidi Blake, at The New Yorker to try to answer a question about one of the richest men in the world, the ruler of Dubai. Why do the women in Sheikh Mohammed's family keep trying to run away? There's five policemen outside and two policewomen inside the house. So basically, I'm a hostage. And he reminded me that Sheikh Mohammed can get me anywhere. Because you're a rich and powerful person, you can effectively break any law you want in our country and get away with it. The Runaway Princesses is available now. Follow In the Dark wherever you get your podcasts. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour. I'm David Remnick. Over the decades, there have been some very high-profile investigative panels that have looked into national and political crises. The Kefauver Committee famously looked into organized crime. The Warren Commission in the early 60s investigated the Kennedy assassination. And the Senate held its Watergate hearings, which led to the resignation of Richard Nixon. And yet, arguably, none of those committees has had to tackle a political emergency as profound as the January 6th attack on the Capitol. The basic contours of what happened at the Capitol have never really been in doubt, yet the select committee had fundamental questions it needed to answer. Was Trump's inaction during the rioting a failure of leadership or a real strategy, a way of fomenting chaos to retain power? Were groups like the Oath Keepers just a bunch of angry white nationalists, or were they in fact the armed vanguard of a coup? The committee has just released its official report, and The New Yorker is publishing it in book form, partnering with Celadon Books. The report is comprehensive, let's say, long in other words, and taking in every ugly detail of Trump's attempt to delegitimize this election is honestly a challenge to the spirit. But as one member of the committee, Jamie Raskin of Maryland, told me, the committee's work here was to establish a definitive historical record, and the rest is up to the Justice Department and the courts. One thing is clear from this report, we cannot afford to look away. Democracy remains under attack. And as I wrote in the introduction to the volume, a citizenry that can no longer bring itself to pay attention to such an investigation or to absorb its astonishing findings risks moving even farther toward a post-truth, post-democratic America. We have more about the January 6th report at newyorker.com slash report. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour. I'm David Remnick. We're going to close the show today with a look back into musical history. You may know the work of Roz Chast as a cartoonist from her work in The New Yorker or perhaps from her book, 
Can't we please talk about something more pleasant? Which was a bestseller. But here's something you probably don't know about Roz. She and Patty Marks, a staff writer of great distinction, play in a band, not just any band, a band with an extraordinary influence on pop history. And if you haven't heard of them, it's because they were always too far ahead of their time to break through to the mainstream. Here for your listening pleasure are Patty Marks and Roz Chast. I'm Patty Marks. I'm Roz Chast. And we are the Euclid Meltdown. You may not remember us, but you probably do. We were very, very big in the 60s when we were the Daily Pukaleles. Now we're the Euclid Meltdown, and we are coming back. We're practicing. For our, our return tour as Euclid or Euclid Meltdown, because we don't know how to, we're not quite, we're still debating on how to pronounce mm-hmm. it. We've gotten some experts. Yeah. But even they don't know. So, eons ago, I was playing uh, with Bobby Zimmerman. Bobby Zimmerman. And I was with Joni. You were with Joni. We were both too good for our the rest of our band. It was very clear. I mean, I mean, it's the reason we got kicked out of yeah. the bands, really. Yeah. Well, they were good also, but I felt like in the way that they were good was a different way than we were good. Well, we had personality. Yeah. They had talent, yes. which, okay, each to its own, yeah. right? Yeah. We were really, just didn't belong with them. We had kind of a Yeah, and nobody style. wanted us in their band. I would go up to bands like Iron Butterfly, yeah. You know, Jimi Hendrix experience. I, I went there. I gave Joan Baez two ideas, which really made her. She was wearing, had a pixie haircut. I said, go long, Joni. And then when she began, she would just say, one, two, three, four. And I said, Joni, what you should do is flip your hair upside down, the way I, your long hair, after you grow it, and just say, this song's for David. He's yeah. in jail doing what he thinks is right. And if you notice, that's what, how she opened all the time. Well, so we, we got together and we realized that we were very simpatico and we liked the same songs. They were all public domain. We liked the same color ukulele. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we formed this the daily ukuleles. Yeah. Yes, and, and, uh, uh, and we got very big for a while. Yeah, and that was, we got very big and then... But then Paul stole all our money. Paul, our manager, stole all our money. We yeah. didn't have any, luckily, but... He stole what he we stole had. He stole our money. He yeah. stole all the, what, the money we were yeah. going to get. Yeah. And that was when things did get bad, though, because then we went. We had to go into rehab. Mm-hmm. Which the, we liked. We it learned was good. A, we we learned made a ashtrays. Lot. We have some of the ashtrays from rehab. Yeah. Yeah. We met some interesting people. Um, our, what was our first breakout hit? Boy, it was, was it? a long time ago. Uh, was it Star Spangled Banner? Was it... Um, I thought it was Happy Birthday. Happy Birthday, yeah. yeah. We wrote Happy Birthday. Happy Birthday to you. Yeah, yeah. That was... It's it's so um, and now that we've universal, made, really. It because is universal. if you're alive, if you're listening... Right. Well, except for the people who have unhappy birthdays. That's true. I mean, I don't want to force... Maybe we, we should be, change it to like... Happy birthday. Mm, birthday to yeah, you. Yeah. Whatever mm, birthday to whatever you. Whatever birthday. Because, you know, you don't want to pressure anybody. Mm, 
Right. It's like, you know. Disappointed birthday we could do. Yeah. Neutral. Neutral birthday. Neutral birthday. Yeah. Have a birthday to yeah. you. Yeah. We're also work, we're working on wrinkle, wrinkle, little face. Yes, yes. Uh, wrinkle, wrinkle, little face. Uh, also, we're working wrinkles another. Wrinkles form in every place. Right. <laughs> uh, will you? Wrinkles high, lines wrinkles erase. <laughs> you want to play something? Yeah, I do. I do. Should we play um, Camp, Camp Town, Town Races, also called Camp, Camp Town, Town Ladies. Ladies. Yeah, yeah. Which we should say that we rewrote, and uh, if you listen carefully to the lyrics, if you can hear them, um, you will see why. And um, I usually introduce it because um, I don't have a singing voice, but I have a talking voice. You have a very, a good, very good talking talk. voice. I was in a talking choir. My, my talking voice can get kind of like panicky and screechy. Well, okay. So, okay. So this is um, on your mark. Get set. Go. Camp Town ladies, we don't know. do was on our first album, Ocular Accidents, which yeah. was our breakout album, really. Yeah. We uh, had a lot of records. Right. I duck think, and Cover. Right. Famous um, Duck and Cover. Learn Ukulele in Your Sleep. You too can play ukulele. But not as well as we can. Yeah. That was the subtitle. Mm-hmm. Uh, How to Make Love to a Man with a Ukulele. Right. That wasn't Beethoven, that was us. because then we were touring all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being on the road, it's really rough. Right. And it's also rough confusing. Part. You're always like, do you turn left? Do you turn right? That is the hard thing about the road. I know. And you know how I feel about driving. I mean, I didn't learn until after we were on the road. So a lot of times when we were on the road... I we were lost a lot on the road. <laughs> we were lost. And I that was... was a problem and I would be, like, screaming while we were, like, merging into traffic because... When I merge yeah. into traffic, I have to really scream. And I was taking oh, a lot of drugs back then because being on the road was so made scary. Made you nervous, right? It made me very, very nervous. Sometimes I didn't even know if I was on the road. Am I, am I dreaming or are we right. actually driving yeah. on the road? Are we really or on the road? Or maybe we're just blowing in the wind. Yeah. Episode. Oh, yes. that was that Going was something. Electric. Well, we, we had did. Fights. We, had we fights did. Our manager Paul, who took our money, yeah. said we had to go electric. So we went uh, to your house, and that we were, we set up in the driveway, and we didn't really know how to. We're you know, if you've seen a 
a ukulele. There's How no place to really plug it in. There's, there's no, no place, place to plug, to plug it in. in. Yeah, exactly. So we thought we we went to yeah. the hardware store. We went to the hardware store. We bought extension batteries, cords. extension everything, cords, everything. No electric place that to we plug it buy. in. So you know what we did? We were pretty good students in elementary school. You can make a battery with a baked potato or a raw potato. A raw potato. Well, that was our first mistake. Baked, but okay. Yeah. At least we didn't go mashed. We got a we got a raw potato. We set up the wires and we tried to go electric. We tried to plug the potato yeah. into yeah. the ukulele. Then our manager told us, "All right, if you can't go electric, you should break some ukuleles on stage." So we we're a little afraid of that because of our shoes. Yes, we didn't really want to. I didn't want to damage like get our it. shoes. I also didn't want to get like a cut because no. I had read about sepsis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ukulele disco? You don't remember that? Yeah. It was like we were at Studio 54 every night. That was like we were very heavily into that whole scene mm-hmm. for a little while because ukuleles were like... There was this brief moment... Somewhere around like November 18th to November 20th, 1974, where ukuleles were kind of yeah. I think it. And then we tried, uh, uh, was it Saturday? No, not Saturday night. It was Sunday night rash. Sunday night rash. Sunday yeah, night rash. Yeah, we yeah. tried. We yeah. tried. It didn't really, you know, I don't know yeah. why. Maybe like it passed its peak at that point. Yeah. People were too busy with, I don't know, Casey oh, we and the Sunshine mm-hmm. Band. Or, we couldn't get into some of the discos because of the bouncer. That's the true. The bouncer didn't let We were too in, short. Yeah. yeah, we were too short. Yeah. And the glasses. I think that was trouble. Mm-hmm. We should have not have worn the glasses. Right. And they were always t- inspecting our uh, ukuleles. For drugs. Because for we drugs. did used yeah. to keep our drugs in right. the ukulele, mm-hmm. along with the gum and the tissues. And, right. You know. And the Change of underwear. Pencil. Pencils, sketch pads. You could put a little sketch pad mm-hmm. in there. You can carry this as a purse. Yeah. We never broke up. That's probably yeah. why we weren't a bigger hit. Yeah. And I do really hope that we uh, that we peak yet again as... Uh, ukular, ukular, u- yeah. whichever we decide it's going to be. Right. Well, we're doing the best we can doing, yeah. that doesn't involve work. We have, you want to play oh, a Weemawak? A Weemawak. Yeah. You say Weemawak. I oh, say Weemawak. It is Weemawak. Oh, I, I didn't know. I, I, that's wrong. We didn't know for the longest time what Weemawak was. And, and, we and actually, we still don't. But I had yeah. the theory that it's what you do all the doodah day. On your mark, get set, go. A wing away, 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 a wing away. Verse two. 
Back to the chorus. The end. We're working on um, some l- new lyrics for this that was near New Jersey, the great New Jersey, Chris Christie, Christie sleeps tonight. Yeah, because we and like we a, being topical. Yeah, it's we important. like being topical. We have a great rhyme with Obama and pajamas, but we need a story to go with it. That was Patty Marks and Roz Chast on vocals, and yes, ukulele. Our story aired in 2017. The disco ukulele remix came to us courtesy of Terrence Bernardo. I'm David Remnick. Have a wonderful holiday weekend and the best for the new year. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour. See you next time. The New Yorker Radio Hour is a co-production of WNYC Studios and The New Yorker. Our theme music was composed and performed by Meryl Garbus of Tune Yards, with additional music by Alexis Quadrado. This episode was produced by Brita Green, Kalalia, David Krasnow, Louis Mitchell, and Gofen and Putubwele along with Adam Howard, Jeffrey Masters, Will Coley, and Michael May. And we had assistance from Mike Kuchman, Meher Bhatia, and James Napoli. The New Yorker Radio Hour is supported in part by the Charina Endowment Fund. On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week, we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them, because everything's connected. And you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America, wherever you get your podcasts.